Before I pray, before we speak this morning, I just want to, a couple of things. Uh, this coming week, if you are a parent, if you actually, you may have gotten a letter, you may have gotten an email from us, um, but there is a hearing that's going to be uh, this week with our school board, uh, with SAD 17, um, some policy changes that are they're getting ready to made that are, that are very disturbing. Um, and if you read that letter, you understand about it and you know what's coming. And there's a hearing this week. And so I'd be asking you as a church to be praying. I know some of our parents will be speaking at that hearing. And uh, would you just be praying that God, by his spirit, uh, would actually have control and have his way in that. And uh, if you're looking for inf more information, just contact uh, our office. Uh, Jess can fill you in, or you can see what that's all about. We sent all that out, so if you would like to see more of it, uh, that is there for you. So I'd ask you as a church to be praying for that as that's going forward this week. Uh, also, I want to say thank you to you as a church body. I know Mike did last week, but for your generosity, uh, for pastor's appreciation, uh, thank you. We enjoy serving this body, and Mike and I uh, have have just enjoyed the last, we can't believe it's almost 20 years that since, we, since this church started, and uh, very close to that. And uh, we just have enjoyed serving you and serving together and watching what God has done. And we're amazed all the time uh, how God uses this body of believers uh, to make a difference in this community. And so thank you for, for thinking of us and being generous. And uh, would you bow with me as we get ready to look into the Word of God this morning? Father, it is a privilege once again to open the Word of God in freedom. And it's amazing how alive your word is. And in the midst of the darkness that we're living in, as we just heard sung for us, um, we're living in a time that is full of darkness, and there's a lot of lies being told. And there's a lot of folks who are trying to deceive and distort and diminish the truth. And so thank you for the word of God that is so powerful. Your word says this, that it's powerful it's sharper than a two-edged sword that pierces and divides our hearts, the very, our very beings, and it shows us the direction that we should go. And so we ask that you would continue to do that in our lives. You know my concern, my heart, is that it would be your word that speaks this morning and not mine. And so we pray that that would be true. We pray that whatever distractions would keep us from hearing from your spirit, that you would remove those from us. And I know that in, in the, the folks that are in these theaters and that are watching online, I know that there's a lot that's gone on this week. There's some who have lost loved ones this week, and there's a lot of pain and hurt in that, and I pray that you would meet them in that. There are folks who are struggling in their jobs and making decisions about their jobs. God, would you meet them? You know the, the, what's going on in our community, even some of the policies that are being put in place for our children. God, would you grant us wisdom and strength in that? And so by your word, we know that you want to speak into all those things. And so we ask that your spirit would be free to do that in our hearts even this morning as we meet for these next few moments. God, we ask that your will would be accomplished in us. And we'll praise you for what it is that you're going to say and, and how you're going to speak to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Remember, Pastor Mike and Melody as well, they're on the road and uh, will be off for the next month. And uh, pray that they just are refreshed and renewed 
as they're away. So last week, Pastor Mike uh, finished up chapter one, and uh, he, he, we we're talking now, Second Peter has a lot to say about false teachers, and, and, and Pastor Mike was kind of wrapping up some things about truth to get ready for chapter two. And he talked a little bit about fake news and distorted truth and uh, fake holidays. Remember that website that he talked about? We, he and I were chatting a little bit more about that this week, that there are folks who, who get on a website to pretend that they're in a place and they get pictures for their vacation that they didn't go on so that they can post it on social media so people will be proud of them or jealous of them for where they didn't go is basically, and they pay money to do it. Um, fake news, distorted truth, there's always someone with an angle, right? There's always somebody trying to spin something a certain way to make us see things or believe things that are not necessarily true. If we are creative enough, we can make most anything look however we want it to make. We can paint a picture of All kinds of things that are completely untrue, but we can make them look great and we can make people believe that they're true. And we can do that, and folks are doing that with the Word of God. They pull out things out of context, and instead of using the Word of God the way that God intended in the context that it was written, they'll take phrases and take pieces of the Word of God apart to make it say something that they want it to say to fit their agenda or to fit the way they want to live life. And the sad part of that, folks, is this, that churches really across North America today are walking away from the whole truth or the whole counsel of the Word of God. And you're seeing complete denominations who are changing what the Bible has to say about how we live life and how we interact with one another and what sin actually is and how God views sin and and what the way or how we're made right with God. They're changing all of it. And they're taking parts and pieces away from the Word of God and saying, those are old-fashioned, we don't have to believe those anymore. And as Pastor Mike said last week when he started, he said, the problem with that is this, Who decides the parts we're going to throw out and who decides the parts we're going to keep? And it's a big struggle because if I get to decide, but it doesn't fit your agenda or the way you're thinking, then you're mad at me because I'm throwing out the pieces that you want to keep. Or if you get to decide, but I don't like the choices that you make and the pieces that you throw out, then I'm upset at you because I want to keep other pieces of the word of God. And so that is one of the reasons that God said it and said, look, this whole Bible, this whole manuscript that I put together, I breathe these words, and these are my words, and you don't have the right to add or remove anything from the Word of God. They are mine. And so Pastor Mike ended last week with 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, and I want to read them to you again this morning. Um, because we're making a shift here when we hit chapter 2. And the shift is going from the promises of who we are in Christ. Remember, all the precious promises of the Word of God are ours. And he's talking to believers, and he's saying those of us who are in Christ, those of us who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, those of us who have come to the place where we understand that we are sinners in need of a Savior, and we've accepted the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, we are in Christ. We are new creations in Christ. We are children of God. We belong to the family of God. 
And all of the promises of God are at our disposal through the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. All of that is ours. Those are treasures of ours. And chapter 1, he spent the time going, this is who you are. This is who you are. You are in Christ. Remember who you are. And now he's going to shift. His end goal isn't going to change, but he's going to shift tune. And he's going to shift how he's going to talk. And, and one was very, very hopeful in ter- terms of who you are and, and what God has for you. And now he's going to go, and, and, and Peter doesn't mince words, and he's going to go, and now he's going to say, warning, heads up, look out. And so he's going to change tune. But in order to understand how he changes, you've got to end with, with chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Let me read them for you once again. And you can tell, Mike, that not only did I cover the verses, but I went back and re- I helped him with some of his, okay? Remember that, please. Above all, you know this. No prophecy of Scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation. Because no prophet ever came by the will, prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, man spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And Mike did a great job last week reminding us that all of Scripture is breathed by God. The Holy Spirit helped men. Now, they're, they're, they, those are sinful men. There are men who have failings and they make mistakes and all that kind of stuff. But the Holy Spirit is the one who caused those men, he inspired, he gave them the words to write down. And he, God himself, by the Spirit, wrote the word of God for us to have. And that word of God from God is inerrant in its writing. And he's very clear to us to say this, look, there was no prophet who got up one morning after a dream in the night and said, I should write this. That's not how it worked. The Holy Spirit, and I love the phrase he uses there. He says this, that the Holy Spirit carried them along. And I love the picture there because it's not, it's not their own energy or their own effort making that happen. It's God himself going, "Let, let me help you with this and let me direct you in this. Let me direct how you're going to write this because there's a very specific way I want this done. And these truths are my truths and I want to make sure everybody understands and gets the whole truth and nothing but the truth, right? I knew your brain was going there, so I just did it for you. So we finished up knowing this, that the Bible was written for us by God and the Holy Spirit moved those men, so that they could write the words of God. It is the truth. And man at times wants to twist the truth of God, but we have the words of God before us, and we, you, me, all of us together, anyone who has the word of God, has the ability to open the word of God for themselves and check out what I am saying to make sure it's right. And if you hear me and you're listening to me and you go, I wonder if that's true, and you grab the word of God and what I say doesn't add up to what the word of God is saying, then what do you believe? Not me. The word of God. Because the word of God is from God by his spirit. It is his words. And God is far more authoritative than I'll ever be. 
It's the word of God. So we end chapter 1 by him reminding us and telling us this is the very word of God. This is the authority. This is where truth is found. It is based on in God himself. This is truth. And then he shifts gears. And we hit chapter 2. The same time that God was reassuring us through Peter that this was the word of God, in the next breath, he causes Peter, remember, it's God's word, right? God caused these guys to write this. So in the next breath, he says, this is my word. The spirit of God is giving you this word of God. And in the very next breath, he writes these words. Let me read them. Here it is. Very next breath. There were indeed false prophets among the people. Now, note, we're going to come back to this, but note where they are. Where are the false prophets? You tell me, because I want you to catch this. Where? Among the people. Theater 2, 3, 4, online. Where? Among the people. These aren't outside. They are where? Okay, I think you might have it. Just as there will be false teachers, where are they? Among you. They will bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, and will bring swift destructions on themselves. Now, where were the false teachers? Among the people. They're inside. It's an inside job. It's like a bank heist. And the person works in the bank and they know the code to the vault. And they know where the sign alarm is. And they know where the color packs are that are in the money. And they know all of the pertinent information. And so when they go to break in to the bank from the inside, it looks very different than someone who's trying to blow their way in from the outside, isn't it? Very different. It's the same concept here in Scripture. And Peter says this, look, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff on the outside that's a problem. And we're facing that in the culture we live. There are all kinds of issues on the outside in our culture that threaten, if you want to use that word, that are against the Word of God. They don't really threaten the Word of God because the Word of God doesn't break. He's not worried. God is not really worried. But there's all kinds of things in our culture that go against what God has to say. And they live life against. But but Peter's really not talking about that. Peter is looking and he's saying, look, you guys are all together as a church. We're all together as a church. We're meeting here this morning to worship God together. Because of what God through Jesus Christ has done for us. And we're sitting in this room and you came this morning. I believe you're here by divine appointment. God drew you here this morning. And you came to hear the word of God and you came to worship together with with other believers. But among us, among the church, that's what Peter's saying, with all these people that you know that are, are, are part of the body, he says, among us, there are those who are teaching false teaching. They're part of the group. 
And Peter is looking at this group of believers and he said, look, I'm not doing this because I want you to question each other. That's not it. I want you to be very aware that in the middle of the group of people that you trust, there are those who are not completely in, in terms of following Jesus Christ. They're only partway there. And he explains it out to them. He says this, look, among you there are those who would teach heresies. Heresies, let me, that's an old word, and let me help you with that. It means this, it means it's someone who has chosen a different opinion than what the Bible is actually teaching. That's what heresy is. Heresy is some, someone who takes what the Bible says and like, I like part of what the Bible says, but this part, I don't think God really meant that. Or I like to teach this part about, I like to teach the parts where God is merciful and loving because he's a loving God. But the parts about his judgment and that he doesn't like sin, well, that's kind of old-fashioned. And we're just supposed to love everybody. That's heresy. It's choosing my own opinion over what the Word of God says. And individuals can do that, but also groups of people do that. And by the way, there are churches who are denominations, who are groups of people who have chosen to say, you know what? We like these parts about what God says, but we don't like the rest. And so we're no longer, there are denominations now who say, we're not going to talk about the blood of Jesus Christ anymore. That's offensive. It's offensive that it took the blood of Jesus Christ to cover sin. Well, guess what? That's what God said it took. But that's heresy. Heresy is choosing my own opinion or a group's opinion over the word of God. And so Peter looks at this group of people and he says, look, among you, there are going to be false teachers who choose heresy. They bring in destructive heresy and they go not just that far, but they deny the very master who owns them. Now that word master there is really important that you understand because it's different than the word Lord. It's only used 10 times in the New Testament. And what that word means, if you go back and you look it up, you'll find this, that it means one of absolute authority. That's what the word means. And so what Peter is saying, he says, look, there's these teachers who live among you and they know the word of God and they have decided that they're going to teach their own opinion and their own opinion goes against the one who has absolute authority, God himself. And they're devising ways of saying it to bring you along with them. And I think it's really important that you catch this, guys. This is why Pastor Mike and I agree with Paul when Paul says, whatever I say to you, check it out. Take the word of God for yourself and check it out. It's why Mike and I tell you all the time, read the word of God for yourself every day. Study the word of God. Know the word of God. Listen to the word of God. Be in the word of God for yourself all the time because there are those among the body of Jesus Christ who would lead you astray with their own opinion. And Peter's saying, Look out, they deny God himself. 
And you say, well, what does that mean? Well, anytime somebody tells you they know better than what God says in the Bible, they're denying God himself. We're so arrogant. I was thinking about that this week. You think of the things that we do as as human beings. Let's go even farther. I'm going to meddle. Think about your own week as an individual. And think about the things that you did this week, the things that you said, and your heart attitude in those. And think about the things that happened this week in your life that you basically told God you knew better than he did. Don't say anything out loud. Don't look at anybody else. Because we all did it. We all do it. Where we decide that we're going to trust ourselves over God. Or we're going to put something in motion. Or we're going to, we do it all the time. Where we look at the master and we, we say, God, okay, you got the world, but, but you don't have me. God, it was okay for you to create everything, but I have a better plan. And that's what Peter's talking about. The drift, the slip, is so easy for us. And we can sit here this morning and go, yeah, it's the word of God and I'm all in. But in our everyday living, in our daily life, that slip is so subtle and so easy. And Peter says, look out. Look out. It can happen to you. How do you know who these people are? We have to keep moving. I'm not going to get through the verses and Mike will be upset. How do we know who these people are? 1 John chapter 4, verses 1-3 tells us how we know. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see that they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you know the spirit of God. Every spirit, catch this, that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. There's a test. And the test is this, if they confess that Jesus is God, that Jesus Christ is God, then they are from God. But if they don't, run away. Run away. Run the other way. Don't be part. Look at the result of false teaching. So the test is easy. What's the test? Jesus is who? God. Let's say it because I want to make sure. What's the test? Jesus is right. He says, look, if they confess that, the Spirit is from God. Okay. So, Look at the result of false teaching, because the next few verses give us that. Verses 2 and 3. Let's keep going. Many will follow their depraved ways. So these are the false teachers. And the way of truth will be maligned because of them. They will exploit you in their greed with man-made up, with made up stories. And their condemnation, pronounced long ago, is not idle, and their destruction does not sleep. Now this could sound confusing to you, but he says this. Look, many will follow these people, and their truth will be maligned. Or it, it'll, be, it'll be spoken with spite or in a critical manner. And what he's saying is this. They will be these people. People who look at the Word of God and they'll take that part that they don't like in the Word of God and they will critically say, well, God didn't really mean that or times have ch- culture has changed and so God, God, th- that was for a long, that 2,000 years, that worked for those people but it doesn't work today. And in spite or in arrogance, they will say that they know better than God. 
and they will malign the truth. And he says this, look, those who do that are already condemned. And their judgment, it's not idle. God isn't sitting in in heaven going, oh, I didn't hear that. And he says this, their destruction does not sleep. In other words, God is not, God's not sitting saying, oh, it's okay. They can have their own opinion. It's not God. God hears and he knows and he has a plan for when people misspeak the truth. It's that important to God. Notice that the phrase in verse 1, if you go back into verse 1, he says this, and he will bring swift destruction on themselves. It isn't a laughing matter. It's not a light matter. And in the day and age we live and in the culture we're living, people are taking a misspoken truth and they're taking it very lightly. They're saying, oh well, it doesn't really matter that much. People all have their own opinion." And God, through Peter, is saying, yeah, it matters a lot. And yes, I take this really, really seriously. And believer, I don't want you playing with this. I don't want you messing around with this. I want you to stick to the truth. I don't want you playing with what you might feel is good. And what you might... The truths that you might like and the truths that you don't. I want you to stick to the truth because I am not sitting in heaven as a giant grandfather going, oh, they're just my grandkids and they're a little off right now, but they'll come back. That's not God and that's not what he's doing. But often as the church, that's how we view it. God takes this stuff incredibly serious. And then he goes on in the next few verses and he begins to explain how serious he takes it. And I want you to to pay attention because in the Old Testament, God's reaction to sin and to people going against the truth is very severe and very quick. And I want you to see what he says about it. Look at his reaction starting in verse 4. For if God didn't spare the angels who sinned, but cast them into hell and delivered them in chains of utter darkness to be kept for punishment. Remember back when there was God gave all of the angelic kingdom, well, his kingdom, a chance to choose to follow him or to not. The Bible tells us that a third of the angels chose not to, and immediately God said, okay, you made your choice and it's over. And he dealt with them immediately. And he says, look, if he deals that way with angels, if he's that quick, and if he didn't spare the ancient world but protected Noah, remember? Remember the flood? Remember when Genesis tells us that all man did continually was evil in the sight of God and all of their actions and their thoughts were continually evil before God and God, it says, Genesis tells us this, that God looked at mankind and he said, I'm sorry that I created them. Am I going to deal with their sin? And these verses say that there was one righteous. Look, it keeps going. It said, but he protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness and seven others, when he brought the flood on the world of the ungodly. And if he reduced the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes and condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is coming to the ungodly. This few verses say, look, God is not mocked. 
God does not take playing with the truth of his word and, and, and look at it and go, oh, it will be all right sometime. God takes the sinful and deceitfulness of our hearts and of mankind incredibly serious. And he says, look, God is not asleep at the wheel. And he's not idle. He has a plan for this. And if you read those verses and you think about where our culture is and you think about what's going on in our culture and how far from truth we've gotten, even in the church, if you're like me and you read those verses, there are times in my mind and in my heart that I go, it's hopeless. We are so far away, it's hopeless. But in the middle of those verses, the hope's there. Did you see it? Did you see the hope in the middle of the verse? He says, look, I have a plan. I'm going to punish. I'm going to, I won't put up with sin. But did you see it in the middle? He says, but I protected Noah, the righteous one. Believer, let me ask you a question this morning. Are you a Noah? Are you the righteous one? When everyone around you is choosing their own truth, are you sticking with God? Because that's what Noah did. Genesis tells us this, that everyone around Noah was basically thumbing their nose at God and saying, God doesn't have a clue. We're going to do our own thing our own way. It doesn't matter. And Noah, in the middle of that, just kept going back to God. Say, God's right. God's right. God's right. God's right. Is that you? Because his promise is this, I'll protect the righteous ones. And if you look all the way through Scripture at the character of God, God always protects his own. Now, I'm not talking about safety. I'm not talking about nothing happens. That's not what I'm saying. But he always protects his own. He's always there for his own. He keeps going with this. Look at, look, look at the next verse, verse 7. He says, and if he, recu- and if he rescued righteous Lot. Remember where Lot was? Lot was in Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot was in a city that was, it was dirty and dark and sinful all the time. Horrible distressed by the depraved behavior of the immoral. (laughs) What a description. He says, look, it wasn't just sinful. They were depraved in every action and completely immoral in how they thought. For as that righteous man lived among them day by day, his righteous soul was tormented by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. And then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. He says this, look, he rescued righteous Noah when everybody around wasn't following God. And when Lot was in a city that was completely immoral and completely living for themselves and living in sinfulness all the time completely, God reached down and he protected Lot in the middle of it. And he pulled him out. 
And so believer, you're not hopeless. When Peter's writing this and he's saying there's false teachers among us, there are those who would teach untruth among us. At the same time, he says, but God is righteous and God is gracious and God will protect us if we stay true to him and if we live his word and we read his word and we keep his word in our heart. Is that you? God knows how to rescue. I don't know about you, but I've been in situations in my life where I've tried. I'm one of those people who will try to do about anything. And sometimes that's not always good. Because I get into situations where I'm like, "Mm, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. This may not work out very well. And I love it when somebody then shows up in my life who knows what they're doing. And you you can go, here, (laughs) you need to help me. I don't have a clue. And you are rescued. You ever been there where you felt the relief of somebody showing up who knew what they were doing? That's the picture that he's painting here. That you're in the middle of something and God who can rescue shows up and says, here, let me pick you up out of that. Let me save you from that. Believer, he wants to do that on a regular basis in your life and in mine. He knows how to rescue us. Let me keep reading. Let me finish this out. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from the trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment, especially those who follow the polluting desires of the flesh and despise authority. Bold, arrogant people. That's why I was thinking about arrogance. They are not afraid to slander the glorious ones. However, angels who are greater in might and power do not bring slanderous charges against them before the Lord. In other words, he says this, look, there are things that even the angels who know more than we do will not speak before God. But these false teachers will stand up and they will use the name of God to do things, to send people places, to collect money for things, to to present truth for ways of truth. They will use the name of God for whatever makes them look good and feel good. And he says, angels won't even go there. They won't even do that. And so you could leave here this morning reading this passage of scripture and go, oh my word, Peter, I don't even want to go to church because what if I'm sitting beside somebody who that's them? What if they're my friend? What if it's me? Right? And you could say, I'm out. I don't want to do this anymore. That's not what Peter's trying to do, okay? That's not what I'm trying to do this morning. Let me help you with what Peter's actually telling us here this morning, what he's saying to us. Peter's saying, beware. I think sometimes we get lulled into sleep and we're not aware of what's going on around us. Or we get so busy living our life and doing the things with our family that we need to do and and even doing good things, being involved in ministry, that we get lulled to sleep and we're not aware of what's going on around us. And Peter's saying, hey, look, I need you to understand something. There are people that are in the church who aren't teaching truth. Not everyone who stands up and says, I know Jesus is teaching the truth. Be aware. That's what Peter's telling us. And then the second thing that Peter's trying to tell us this morning is this. He's saying this, know the truth. Know the word of God. And so let me be a broken record this morning, because I know you've heard me say this before. 
And I'm not going to stop saying it to you. So I'm going to be a broken record for as long as I'm here. Read the word of God for yourself. Know the character of God. Read the word of God to meet Jesus Christ and know him. Read the word of God to know God for yourself, to know his character, to know his attributes, to know his heart, to know his desires, to know the picture that he's painted for the church and for his people, to know that he has a plan and he is the rescuer, he's the restorer, He's the one who will judge what is evil. He's the one who will make all things right in his time and his way. Know the word of God so that you can learn to trust God for yourself. God's promise to us is that he will provide all we need to live out our godly life for him. He will provide it through the word of God and by his spirit and through his people. Know the truth. Beware. Know the truth. This week, believer, know the truth. Be a righteous one. Live for God. Put him first. Trust him. Father, would you grant us the courage? Thanks for the warning from Peter. It's hard, it's heavy. In some ways, it's scary. The world we live in, we know this stuff is going on. It's going on around us all the time. We know how easy it is to be pulled aside, to slip and to slide away from you. So God, help us to be aware of what you're doing. Help us to know the truth and to live in it. Help us to be like Noah, to be a righteous one who trusts you and lives for you and puts you first. God, grant us the strength and the courage to do that each and every day. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand?